Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you have the gift of giving and you know who you are, just because you may not have the gift of giving doesn't mean that you don't give, but some people God has gifted with the gift of giving. It is a spiritual gift. And with that gift, he also gives you the gift of getting because he's going to supply that gift. When God gives you a gift, he will always package it with the enabling and the ability and supply the gift that he's given you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We all have different spiritual gifts, each one of them as important as the next in God's eyes. As Pastor J.D. describes in his message, when God blesses us with a spiritual gift, he also supplies us with the ability to successfully live into it. The knowledge of this truth should allow us to confidently walk in our gifting, knowing it isn't us doing the work or supplying the means, but God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study called Money and Giving. Upon Paul's arrival, he does not want to have to deal with the offering. And think about that. The Apostle Paul's personality was probably intimidating. And he knew that just by the sheer force of his temperament and personality and even presence, it would have the effect of putting people in this position of, hey, I better give Paul's here. He doesn't want that. And I love that about Paul. He wants the soul purpose to be when he gets there to minister to God's people. He wants that taken care of. I have to say, in all candor, that one of the things I love about not receiving an offering, first of all, I'm very uncomfortable when it comes to talking about money. I always have been. And (laughs) I don't have to unless we're at a place in God's Word where God's Word deals with money. And that's the only time I really have to deal with money. The only exception was when we were finishing this beautiful church building that God enabled us to uh, build. But I don't have to talk about it. You're never going to see a thermometer up on the screen. You know, this is our goal. Uh, You're never going to have a pledge card (laughs) where you have to pledge and obligate yourself to giving X number of dollars a month, that as long as God gives me breath and I have the privilege of being the pastor of this amazing and wonderful church, that is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. I want our attention, whenever we assemble ourselves together, I want our attention to be focused solely on the Lord and His Word, that the Lord would minister to us. Well, he didn't want to create that kind of a dynamic. So he tells them, I want it all ready so that there's none of that awkward, uncomfortable dynamic when I get there. And there's another reason why I'm doing that. It's because 
God loves a cheerful giver. And to me, this reflects the heart of God. And would you not agree that God is the ultimate cheerful giver in what he gave us? And Paul's going to talk about that again here shortly. He's going to reference the example of the perfect gift. And it's an indescribable gift. And that is our example, by the way. We should never compare ourselves to what others do or give. Well, I give more than them. How do you know? (laughs) How do you know? You might want to ask the widow about that in the temple that day that Jesus pointed out and drew the disciples' attention to. Our example is always the Lord when it comes to especially our worship in giving. Alan Ridpath said this, When God gives grace, he does not reluctantly open a little finger and maintain a clenched fist full of gifts. I would tell you today that God's hands are nail-pierced hands and they are wide open. This fountain of grace is always pouring itself out with no limitation on heaven's side at all. I think of what James wrote. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. He does not withhold anything. If it's a good gift, he will give it liberally, abundantly, not with a clenched fist or grudgingly. He does it gladly, cheerfully, happily. Well, this brings us to our second one in verses 6 through 10, which is that giving brings an abundant blessing to us as the giver. Now, while this should never be why we give, it is the result of when we give. In God's economy, this is how God has ordained it. In verses 6 and 7, Paul uses the analogy of sowing sparingly or generously and reaping accordingly. And then he says that, again, God loves a cheerful giver, which implies that God does not love it when we give grudgingly or we give out of compulsion or we give under pressure or we, or we give when it's a got to. God does not love that type of giving. God loves the giving that is done cheerfully. In verses 8 and 9, he says that God is able and will always bless us abundantly. And then he quotes, interesting, Psalm 112, verse 9, about scattering gifts to the poor. And again, this is in God's economy. In man's economy, when you scatter, you have less. In God's economy, when you scatter, you have more. And then in verse 10, he continues with the analogy of a farmer sowing seed, saying that God will increase and enlarge the harvest of righteousness. And it's accordingly, it's proportionately. A couple thoughts here on this. The first of which is the word that's used for cheerful giving. 
It's in the original language of the Greek New Testament, the Greek word hilaris, which is where we get our English word for hilarious. <laughs> Did you ever think of giving that way? Could, could you imagine? You're sitting there, and we are a church that receives the offering. And you're sitting there, and you cannot wait for the worship to end so that you can give. Can you see me after if that? <laughs> Praise the Lord! It's, it's, I can't wait. I am so excited about being able to give. That is a cheerful giver. The one who derives so much satisfaction and joy and cheer and happiness in their ability to give. Last time I checked, it's still more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. And you know what I'm talking about, right? As I'm saying this, maybe your mind will recall that time when you gave. And there was no greater joy that came as a result of your giving. It was a feeling, a high like no other. That's what it means. And that's what Paul is saying. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is hilarious. It is, it is hilarious, really. This is, this is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I give, and the more I give, the more I have. The more abundant blessing comes into my life. That is hilarious, <laughs> right? Can I say it that way? I just did, so there you go. In other words, God loves it when we give out of a cheerful and joyful heart that's happy to give to the one who himself gave all. To the one who himself gave himself. Think about that. That's who we're giving to. It's not unto man, but it's as unto the Lord that we give. Jesus shocked the disciples when he says to them, when you give a glass of water to the least of these, my brethren, it's like you're giving it to me. You're giving it to me. And by the way, the next time you give and you're not too happy with the response from the one on the receiving end of your gift, well, just think about what the Lord's response was. It wasn't unto them. It was as unto the Lord. You gave it in Jesus' name, as unto the Lord. G. Campbell Morgan said it this way, It must be hilarious giving. <laughs> giving out of the heart. And here's why. Because you love to give. Not because you're bound to give. Boy, talk about taking the joy out of it. Why is there no such thing as a cheerful taxpayer? Okay, that's a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> because we're obligated, we're bound by law to pay our taxes. Giving is the antithesis of that. This ties into the second thought, which has to do with Paul's analogy of a farmer who sows his seed sparingly or generously. Now think this through with me. 
You have a farmer who says to himself, okay, if I do the math, the more seed I sow, the less seed I'll have. So I'm not going to sow as much seed, so I'm going to sow sparingly that I might retain some of that seed. Okay. Now let's contrast that, I'll add foolish farmer, (laughs) to the other farmer on the other side of this equation who says, I know that I have this seed, and I know that if I sow all of this seed generously, I will not initially have as much seed. But I'm still going to do it anyway. Why? Because I know that when I harvest the seed that I sow generously, that I will proportionately reap a generous harvest. So in other words, the farmer who sows sparingly initially has more seed, but eventually the farmer who sowed generously has more seed. And there's almost a double blessing implied here, because the Lord says, I will supply the farmer with that seed to sow. And that's where it comes from, by the way. I like how one said it. If you have the gift of giving, and you know who you are, Just because you may not have the gift of giving doesn't mean that you don't give, but some people God has gifted with the gift of giving. It is a spiritual gift. And with that gift, he also gives you the gift of getting, because he's going to supply that gift. When God gives you a gift, he will always package it with the enabling and the ability and supply the gift that he's given you. And such is the case with the analogy, the illustration of the farmer. The farmer who sows generously is going to not only reap generously, but God is going to also continue to supply that farmer with seed. Why? Knowing that he'll sow generously. You think he's going to supply the farmer that sows sparingly? No. No. God will never entrust us with that which he knows that we will not be faithful with. Were he to do so, he would then become party to our disobedience, and God will never do that. This brings us to our last one in verses 11 through 15, and it's that our generous and joyful giving brings praise and thanksgiving to God. You know, some of you, a number of you, um, gave me and my family gifts, some of which were financial, for Christmas. And you know who you are, and God knows who you are. And I just want you to know that not only am I very thankful to you, I'm thankful to God for you. And this is what Paul is saying here. In verse 11, he tells them that they'll be enriched in every way so they can be generous on every occasion, which in turn brings about thanksgiving to God. You know what it's like to be thanked by someone on behalf of another? It blesses your heart. My uh, son just got a job at 
Mid-Pacific Country Club where my wife works. She got him the job, pays to, you know, know people. And um, he's doing really well. He's a really good hard worker, which <laughs> blesses my heart, right? And same thing with my other son. Their bosses and even their co-workers will on occasion say to either my wife or myself, uh, thank you. They're a good kid and they're a hard worker. Oh, what a blessing that is. And think about how much more of a blessing it is to our Heavenly Father to be on the receiving end of thanksgiving for you. Wow. And that's again what Paul is saying here. Now verses 12 and 13, he says, they're not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also bringing thanksgiving to God. And through the proof of the ministry, they glorify God. This glorifies God. It's their obedience and their confession, and it brings glory and honor and thanksgiving to the Lord. And then in verses 14 and 15, he says, prayers go out to them, because of the surpassing grace God gave them. And then in verse 15, Paul thanks God for his indescribable gift. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that as we close. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the best reasons as to why we as God's people should give generously, it would have to be because of those on the receiving end of our giving. Not only will they praise and thank God for the giver, they will also pray to God because of the giver. I like how one commentator said it. If you want people to thank God for you, and you want people to pray for you, give. Because that's what happens. They're going to thank God for you, and they're going to pray for you. And I'll tell you, there's one thing I've come to appreciate over the years, especially in ministry, is knowing that people are praying for you. I don't take that lightly. When somebody says to me, I'm praying for you, oh, that is the ultimate blessing, knowing that you're praying for me. There, there are times, i got to tell you, I was, in fact, thinking about this, as I was preparing specifically for the prophecy update today. Saturdays are all out war <laughs> for me. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't even begin to, and, and I'll pray and I'll ask the Lord, Lord, <laughs> you know, I must be onto something because the enemy really upset right now. <laughs> and in that moment, I will sense that somebody's praying for me. I, I, I can't really put it to words and articulate it, but I, I can say that it's a sense in my heart, in my spirit, bearing witness really to the reality that somebody in that very moment is praying for me. And I cannot even begin to tell you how grateful I am for that. And this is what, again, Paul is talking about here. Not only will they praise and thank God for you, they will also pray for you. Well, I want to close by pointing out something in verse 15 concerning this 
indescribable gift. Paul was never really one who was unable to describe anything, right? I mean, we we know this to be true about the Apostle Paul. He was extremely intelligent. He had a crushing intellect. I mean, just in his writing, he had a command of the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. This guy was extremely articulate and able to communicate and certainly describe. And then in verse 15, we hear him say that he's unable to describe something. And the something that he is unable to describe is the perfect gift. This indescribable gift. What indescribable gift is indescribable for the Apostle Paul to describe? I know that's not a good sentence structure, but hey. (laughs) The gift of Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross. Being raised again from the dead. And is even now seated at the right hand of the Father. Waiting as we are. For that trumpet to sound and the dead in Christ to rise first so that we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. That is indescribable. And so too is glory, the glory that awaits, indescribable. You cannot describe it. It would be criminal to try We see through a glass darkly. It's blurry. It's dim. We can't see clearly. And there's no way that finite can even describe adequately the infinite. But there is coming a day when this indescribable gift will be comprehensible when we're in eternity. Adam Clark, I'll I'll close with a quote from, says it best this way. Jesus Christ, the gift of God's love to mankind, is an unspeakable blessing. No man can conceive, much less declare how great this gift is. For these things the angels desire to look into. Therefore, he may be well called the unspeakable gift as he is the highest God ever gave or can give to man. And we wonder why God loves a cheerful giver. Why the Lord is blessed and why the Lord blesses and the Lord's people are blessed when we give in such a way. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor JD's Aloha Prophecy Update. 
Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Call me, me true.